From FOP to Higher Truth, this is Cornell Chat, bringing you everything you need to know about the talented and departed Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. I'm Shia Carey. I'm Claire Dickerson. You may recognize us from our other podcast, High Crimes. <laughs> but today we wanted to have a tribute for one of our musical heroes who is no longer with us. He survived the bloodbath of 2016. <laughs> He, he survived a, heroin. <laughs> he was a foundational, he was he was a pillar of the grunge movement. Yeah. Born in Seattle, Washington. Oh my God. And now. Singer of Soundgarden. And Audio Slave. Singer of Audio Slave. <laughs> Singer of Solo Project. And Temple of the Dog. Strummer of acoustic guitar on Unplugged Tours. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Chris Cornell, the man, Chris the Cornell. myth, the legend. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, let's let's be upfront about this. He passed away. Oh, he died. He he. he no longer with us. He crossed no the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Chris Cornell. What day? What day is today? It was May 18th? Question mark. That's May correct. 18th. Um, have you ever read his bio on his website? Can we start there? Wow, I would love to do that. <laughs> But first, I just want I just want <laughs> I want our fans to know that yeah. we're going to do this with reverence and respect and love. Yes. Right. Because I've seen the jokes. Yes. I've seen people out there. What jokes? I've seen people out there saying, oh, did the spoon man do it? Was it the spoon man? The spoon comma I've s- man? I've seen people saying, oh, looks like he really blew up the outside world. I've seen the jokes. I've seen the jokes. Uh. I've seen... Uh, yeah. Well, I guess he should have stolen some bread for himself, because now he starved to death because he didn't steal enough bread he, from the he mouse. He went hungry. He went hungry. <laughs> and this, I've seen the jokes, and we're not going to do those jokes. We're not doing those jokes. We're not even going to do the one that's really applicable that, yeah. that you recognized earlier. I know. We're not doing that one at all. We do have to listen to that song, though. Yeah, it, we'll get, it, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, we'll get there. What are we listening to right now? Right now, we are listening to Loud Love off of Louder Than Love, which came out in 1989. That was not their first album, though, so let's just do a little, let's do a little reverse. Louder Than Love. That's their second release on Sub Pop Records, 1989. Oh, Fun look fact. At you. Soundgarden was the first grunge act to be signed to a mainstream label. Yes. Before Nirvana. Before Nirvana. And after, but I mean. <laughs> and during, probably, you know. <laughs> Fucking A. Um, so, yeah. Let's, let's start. Let's hear the bio from his website. I'm excited to hear Well, that. let's quickly, let's get into really quick Screamin' Life Fop because it was their first EP. That's correct. It was a, they kind of put two EPs together. I'm trying to figure out what a single was, but maybe we'll just get into it. Which, which, uh, which song title sounds the most appealing to you? I said, I said we were starting with Fop. I'd like to honor that. Well, that is, it's Screaming Life slash Fop. It's Fop uh, not a song? Oh, Fop is a song. I Do don't you know if you know this, but typically on, on EPs, it's two songs put together with like maybe another remix. That is, I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but that is not the case for this album. Is there like a bunch more? There's a bunch of songs. Wow. Um, and there is we a... Are listening, by the way, we are listening to every 
sound that Chris Cornell ever made professionally. I mean, we'll listen to many of them. Ma- we're, we're, we're listening. We're not listening to every single listening song he ever made. To, to multiple sounds. If you want every song he's ever made, you can do five dollars a month on Patreon, and I will go through every song he's ever made. The Chris Cornell Telethon. <laughs> the Chris Cornellathon. Wow. <laughs> make it happen. Make it happen. Here's Pop off of Pop. Chili peppers. Okay, all right. That's actually all right. Let's uh, I'm gonna turn up for a sec. So wait, hold on. If this came out in 1990, didn't? No, I believe. Bob. Ultra Mega came out in 1989, 88. Yes. What the fuck are we doing? I think it's order of recording. Yeah. yeah. Here's the deal. Um, I didn't do a lot of research. I just really wanted to do this thing. So. Chris Cornell meant a lot to both of us. Yeah. And it sort of took losing him to really put that in very sharp yeah, focus. Yeah, which is such a damn shame when that happens. Um, anyway. Yeah, so let's hear the bio off of his heckin'. Yeah, you've been... You've been keeping us on a razor's edge of, in- <coughs> of tension here. Chris Cornell is a modern innovator who transcends genre. He was the chief architect of the 90s grunge movement and remains one of the best rock voices of all time, achieving multi-platinum success. Multi-platinum. Uh-oh, hold on. This, this website has one of those little, it's like, innovator. Uh, it's like bootstrapped. It's weird. Okay. <coughs> Achieving multi-platinum success with three legendary bands selling over 30 million records worldwide. He has forged his own unique identity over three decades as a Grammy award-winning, Golden Globe-nominated singer, songwriter, guitarist, composer, and lyricist. Wow, yeah, he's, he's got that G-G-G-N all, all <laughs> up there. He's, it's got the Grammy and the Golden Globe nom. Yep. G-G-G-N. His career began with Seattle Trailblazers Soundgarden, whose wild soundscapes combined visceral punk attitude and artistic depth. What? Who wrote this? Probably Chris Cornell. I don't. He, <laughs> but okay, look, and everything everything I've seen makes him sound like a very chill, down-to-earth, cool guy. But this is like. So this is not. This, this is, is like next level. This is like someone's Instagram bio. Like what the fuck? Powerfully original. They were the first of their generation of Seattle bands to sign to a major label in 1989. There you go. And their work continued to evolve over the course of seven groundbreaking albums. Soundgarden made an an historic return. It says a historic. You're anning it? I'm an anning. I'm anning it. Made an historic return to the live stage in 2010 and have since toured the world, releasing an all-new studio album, King Animal to widespread acclaim. I like that it's just in all caps. Acclaim. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the brief. Oh, wow, there's just a, whole, just a whole bio of every band that he's done. That's pretty cool. Um, Has he done a book? I don't think Because, I mean, Anthony Kia just did his book. Oh, man, right. you're on an Anthony kick right now, I aren't guess you? so. Well, okay. If I can comment on the music that we're hearing a little bit. So it's this it's is, kind this of bomb. yeah, um, but no, I think this is this is great to hear because it sort of uh, 
shed some light on some of Chris Cornell's early influences, which were like psychedelic rock. Yeah. Little tiny touch of funk in this, which really doesn't carry. But yeah, psychedelic rock, sort of classic Beatles Zeppelin sound. You yeah. Know, sort of triumphant, big vocals. I and read. I read somewhere that like sitting alone in his room listening to the Beatles. Yeah, was yeah, like yeah, yeah. I got it right here. Okay. <clears throat> Cornell was born. Whoa. Holy crap. Listen to this. I he was born. Wait, Cornell was born? Listen to this. He was born. Oh, my God. Christopher John Boyle. Oh, I did know that. Okay. Because I looked him up. Gen July 20th, 1964 in Seattle, Washington. Um, he had sort of a weird childhood. His parents were Ed Boyle, a pharmacist, and Karen Cornell, an accountant. When I read that the first time, I thought it was astronaut. Um, so uh, he, let's see. Yeah, he was a loner. He was uh, very anxious. He had depression from an early age, which I'm sure went diagnosed because back in the day, mm -hmm. that was just like, this, this boy's not right, you know? They didn't have... Wait, tell me to get to the punch. No, speak straight to the mic. Straight. Barrel <laughs> the microphone. I'm trying not to break the fourth wall. But yeah, he has. A, there's a vignette in his Wikipedia bio that yeah. says he spent a two-year period between the ages of 9 and 11 solidly listening to the Beatles after finding a large collection of the Beatles records abandoned in the basement of a neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, stolen. Hey. No, I mean, so he, he had a really, in, a really interesting and kind of tragic childhood because his parents... I mean, there's not a lot about their their parents, but I mean, a pharmacist and an accountant, probably not the most emotionally available people. I don't know. Aww. I'm speculating. But yeah, he spent a lot of time alone. Um, he spiraled into severe depression in his teenage years, dropped out of school, and almost never left the house. Yeah, I saw that. At the age of 12. and This, yeah, at wow. At the age of 12, 12. He, he had access to heroin, 12. marijuana, and prescription drugs, and used them daily by... 13. Yeah. Stopped for a year, but relapsed at age 15 for another year until he turned to music. So music kind of saved his life. Yeah. And this is something that'll happen again later. Yeah. And after like the heaviest paragraph in like musical bio biographical history, uh -huh. Wikipedia deemed it fit to share. Before becoming a successful musician, he worked for a seafood wholesaler and was a sous chef at Ray's Boathouse in Seattle. I saw that he was a sous chef. That's yeah, so wonderful. He was a fishmonger. Yeah. I actually dug up a quote of him as a fishmonger. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I don't know how to do a Chris Cornell voice. I don't either. We should be respectful. I did it for years. <laughs> uh, from my, from my, I did it for years from my early teens on. My job was to hype. <clears throat> Sorry. No, that's not even right. No. My job was to wipe up the slime and throw <laughs> away the fish guts. Hype up the slime. Hype up the, yeah, I know. Yeah, slime, do it. You're doing it. You got this, slime. I'm proud of you, slime. And he would just say his name really like, Chris Cornell. <laughs> He's a hype man. Um, <laughs> my job was to wipe up the slime and throw away the fish guts. I met pretty every, pretty much every sous chef in town because they would come in and look at what we had. I think we had the best seafood in town. The owner was impeccable about it. Wow. He really connected with, uh, I mean, and you know, that makes him a, that makes him a Seattle guy. Yeah. He worked in the fish, the fishmongering trade. That's great. As I'm sure many young men in Seattle do. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing that I like. Um, so later down in his bio on his website, Chris has also become involved in philanthropy, using music to support causes that help foster change. The Chris and Vicky Cornell Foundation is currently raising funds and partnering. Shut up. 
and partnering with charitable, charitable organizations to mobilize support for children facing tough challenges, including homelessness, poverty, abuse, and neglect. That's really wonderful. I'm really trying to remember the lyrics to Temple of the Dog. I don't mind stealing. That scared the Christ. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> the thing you were doing with the mic. <laughs> okay. Huh. All right. Let's. Uh, the miles are choking. Uh, should yeah, we listen um, to another thing on this album, or absolutely. should we get to Ultra Mega? Right. Um, I can do a little more bio. Just well, let, just yeah, I just don't want to. We we went from FOP to a, a dub mix, so I just want to make sure that we're getting the right amount of music. Oh, yeah, please. Skip Let's ahead hit up to Ultra Mega OK. Ultra Mega OK. Which Not was their 1988 effort. So this is Soundgarden, <laughs> where we're listening to. Which is Wait, we're what? This is Soundgarden, oh. fronted by Chris Cornell, who also played drums early on. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Until they found a, a, a permanent drummer. Um, and he was playing with Kim Tyle. Uh huh. And uh, Hiro Yamamoto on bass. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because, like, for their first two albums, they were like a tri racial trio, which is pretty neat. Yeah. You, you don't see that in the grunge scene very much. Let's see. Is this that dub track you're talking about? Yeah. Oh, the single is Flower. I knew that. All right, so here is not. Are you not on Spotify, Flower? Oh, yes, you are. You're song number one. Good job, Claire. You're killing it. Sorry, I'm like losing myself in the Wikipedia photo of Chris Cornell. Just, just a soulful, just a soulful, beautiful man. Beautiful. I can't tell if his eyes are like ice blue or what. They kind of look like they are. Yeah, I think. I don't know. He's yeah. He's blessed. Um, he's a good-looking dude with great head of hair. Although, like, I don't know. It sort of seems like he, because he looks, he looks like a really hot dude who like got stung by a bunch of bees or something. Like his face is not like his, his face is not like a hundred percent like right. I don't know. Like, I think it's his lips are like a weird shape. He's like a hot guy that he got has, like stung by a bunch of these. He's got a long forehead. Something. He's, but he's, no, I relate to that. My forehead's way up there. It's, it's pretty, yeah, it's up there. Strips. Um, this kind of reminds me, I mean, this sounds Beatles influenced in ways. Yeah, I think that really came to be in uh, some of his later, I mean, Super Unknown and Down on the Upside or very very Beatlesy. Yeah. Just in there, yeah. They're structuring their major chords, and then like, yeah, his, his the things he does with his voice, which here sounds a lot like Allison Chains, really. Mm -hmm. Another one of his contemporaries, Lane Staley. Mm -hmm. We should do a Lane. Nope, this isn't about them. This is about Chris Cornell. Um, yeah. So you're gonna read more stuff. Sure. In the early 1980s, Cornell was a member of a cover band called the Shemps, mm -hmm. which is a fourth stooge. <laughs> um, and they performed around Seattle. Uh, that's where he, per he first performed with Hiro Yamamoto. After Yamamoto left the Shemps, the band recruited guitarist Kim Tail. Cornell and Yamamoto stayed in contact, and after the Shemps broke up, Cornell and Yamamoto started jamming together, eventually bringing Tail to join them. So Tail is an Indian name, actually. So we uh -huh. got, yeah, it's a triracial trio. Pretty cool. I don't mean to make that big of a deal out of it. No, it's a big deal. It's very when you cool. See, when you see so fucking many white faces in grunge. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. 
Somebody, just another color of skin wearing flannel. I mean, so many like white chill. faces in music in the 80s. I mean, in rock, especially yeah. rock. Um, but yeah, before I, the, the next paragraph I have is all about heroin and the Seattle grunge scene. So we mm -hmm. can we can take a quick break maybe and just talk about Soundgarden. Yeah. Yeah. Like our experience. Our experience with sound, our personal relationship with Soundgarden. Um, well, I I was briefly dating Soundgarden for a minute in the nineties. Just kidding. That's pretty, okay, that was that's weird. pretty open. Um, <laughs> all of Soundgarden. I was a child. Had um, a few rotating members, so. Ooh. Actually, rotating Chris members. Chris Cornell. Wink, wink, wink. Chris members. Cornell was. I think <laughs> his joke. first marriage was to the manager of the band. Oh. Um. I mean, my my first intro, I feel like I should wait until we get to there before I really get into that. Um, but it was in 1994, so I'm sure that guests, guests, uh, <laughs> audience members, listeners, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm like a glass case of emotion, just like waiting to hear the right chord before I lose my fucking mind. Um, listeners will probably know what I'm talking about, but... Uh, so I discovered Soundgarden when I was seven. I was mesmerized by fucking all just Black Hole Sun music video. But it was it's the whole song. So like when we get there, like we'll hear it and we'll listen to it and it'll be we've all heard it, but like we're gonna fucking listen to it, you know? And uh it was one of those things I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, but it was like Chris Cornell, and it was like Eddie Vedder and Michael Hutchins, and I just and Trent Reznor, and I thought they were all beautiful men with long, beautiful hair. This was their peak, they and had, like like the mid '90s. Was maybe like even hotness. Jerry Cantrell. I just remember all these beautiful, long-haired men, and one of my cousins was like, "Are you sure you don't just like women?" And like a light bulb turned on in my head, and I was like, <gasps> "Maybe I do," but I mean, yes, also. Um, but and then. You know, I was a kid, so I still listened to kid stuff. I was still into NSYNC and Spice Girls and all that. And then my mom died, and um, I hit grunge really hard in high school. Soundgarden wasn't hugely prominent then, but it ha you know, I was like listening to a lot of Alice in Chains. And there's you know, any song about like feeling sad and wanting to die. Down in a hole. Yeah. Feeling Losing. so small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, uh. Yeah, I found like a mixtape of Alice in Chains in the dark, like photography dark room, and I would just like play it on repeat because the radio didn't come in. So it was just like a repeat of really upsetting music. In the dark room. In nice. the dark room. It was mostly dirt. I think it was just mostly dirt. Um, I'm sure it was like drywall. Well, yeah. <laughs> dirt jokes. Uh, and then college, I hit Soundgarden hard and. Saw him live in 2014 with Nine Inch Nails. And it was one of those things where, like, of course, Nine Inch Nails played at night. So, because they got the lights and everything. But it was like a duo. Both times I've seen Nine Inch Nails have been like duo headliners. And so it was still pretty light out for Soundgarden. Um, but I, I was just like amazed by how good he sounded. He sounded better than Trent. Like, I was, I was more impressed with and entertained by like their performance overall it was just wonderful and kind of you know thought it would happen again for me but i'm holding your hand <laughs> what about you 
I was about to kiss the mic. That was, <laughs> that was as close as I could get to kissing you. Anyway, um, that's that was very sweet. I'm very personal. That's how we get. That's how we do. That's how we do on here Cornell on, chat. on Cornell Chat. If you haven't listened to Cornell Chat in the past. So growing up, my musical taste was pretty bad. Uh, I started out listening to you know pretty much what my parents had around the house, and then that led to dad rock. I was listening to a lot of Zeppelin. You know, like stuff like Motley Crue or Def Leppard and, you know, 80s, just just junk. Um, well, I mean, Zeppelin's, Zeppelin's some hot shit, but... Yeah. And then a lot of Beatles. But then, you know, um, eventually, like, I was like, what is pop music? Started listening to things like Linkin Park. And, <laughs> then I, and so I eventually got over that when I realized, like, what is this overhyped nonsense? Yeah. So then I was, like, looking for something. And, um, like, Soundgarden was the first band that like really felt like it was like mine because like you know um i listened to nirvana and you know it was you know well past trend. yeah uh, well i almost said <laughs> well past kurt cobain's expiration date yeah so like soundgarden being like a band that was still around that i was really connecting with was like a really special experience yeah um so i listened to them a ton in high school i mean super unknown was pretty much just on fucking repeat mm -hmm. super unknown and down on the upside i listened to so so much uh, bad motor finger to some degree as well mm -hmm. uh, but yeah they're really really early stuff i'm looking forward to sort of rediscovering in yeah this, in this post cornell world um well we just listened to all your lies and now we're it's on a track lies! it's on a track called 665 i think beyond the wheel is something they played live let me check this out for a second Wow, we! What a doozy! Okay. It's really interesting seeing the evolution of how Chris Cornell uses his instrument, and by that I mean his voice, his voice. not his dick. Um, what about his guitar? I mean, I I'm sure he. That's the thing is like he's he's like an all-around like like he wrote a lot of the music for Soundgarden. And mm -hmm. then he toured solo with just an acoustic guitar for a while. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like in his uh, in his earliest of years, he did all these really tripped out, like sort of Robert Plant inspired, like raga vocals and like stuff. Some of this. Some yeah. of this. Um, but then, yeah, in peak Soundgarden days, he oh, yeah, he really learned. He, he really learned how to weaponize that shriek, you know, that, that <laughs> shout. Because, like, now it's it sounds interesting, but it's, like, it's a little bit thin. Yeah. Like, he, he hasn't fully realized the power of his, his, yeah. his belt. You got to really, you got to you gotta stretch it. You got to work that diaphragm. But, yeah, like, he sort of discovered the power of that, like, shrieking, intense vocal through his Soundgarden years. But as most vocalists know, if you do that for too long, you're going to burn out. Yeah. So you had Audio Slave, which was, like, him sort of exploring his... Um, boring or parts of his range yeah um, i mean still great music i still love audio slave but i know i started noticing these differences i read this article by um a vocalist who was inspired by chris cornell because he, he basically lost his voice after like you know touring with soundgarden for so long and just screaming at the top of his lungs for so so long he couldn't like 
couldn't keep it up anymore without mm-hmm. like damaging his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so he started exploring other parts of his register. And um, so yeah, you sort of, so he's, when he really is doing his shriek, he's like singing from the chest, yeah. right? He's just yeah, like yeah. putting all of his power into it, singing from the chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I noticed an audio slave, and I guess we'll get there some fucking day. Um, he starts singing from his face. <laughs> like, I'll, 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 I'll explain it, I guess, later on. Yeah. Once, but yeah, he's, he's like singing from his sinuses yeah. rather than his chest. He moves a lot less air. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's kind of just using what lung capacity you have without really flexing that diaphragm. Mm. For my experience. Um, Can we get Jesus Christ pose? We're getting there. Yeah, so this has been ultra mega okay, and it's been ultra mega okay and all, but we still uh, have to do louder than low. Isn't that next? That is correct. You got the hiccups? I don't know (laughs) how or why. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Mind your business. (laughs) Well, we heard loud love. What else? What else? What else? Let's see. All right, let's listen to some ugly truth from Louder Than Love. 9-11 was an inside job. Building 7. Macaroni and cheese is just saturated fat. Okay. Yeah, that shreds. Yep, looking forward for whenever Chris feels like he should join the song. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the first song on the album. It always kind of does that in the beginning. You got to build. You got to build. Yeah. Um, let's see. Not what a else. lot of songs start with vocals. Except like, oh, wait. Oh. Wait a minute, Mr. Postman. So he's he's really got the wail down. He can mm-hmm. wail, but he isn't shrieking. Mm-hmm. Once he gets that shriek, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it looks like March nineteenth, nineteen ninety. Chris Cornell's roommate Andrew Wood, the singer of Mother Love Bone, died of a heroin overdose. Which was the day he got back from touring for this album. Eesh. Did he? He probably found it. Found him then. Mm, probably. I mean, there's nothing worse to, than coming home from a vacation and your roommates just left a mess everywhere. Jesus Christ. I've, oh boy. I've been a bit of a dick so far. Yeah. Um. Here, let's. So I I got some. Uh, some text from, I think, a Seattle in Seattle Inquirer article. Um, Heroin and other opioids plague, plague Seattle's grunge scene from the start. Overdose claimed the lives of key band members of in several influential groups, including Lane Staley and Mar- Mike Starr of Alice in Chains, Shannon Hood of Blind Melon, Kristen Pfaff of Hole, Scott Weiland of the Stone Temple Pilots, Andrew Wood of Mother Love Bone. 
Many of these deaths hit close, close to home for Cornell. Andrew Wood was his roommate. Sharon Hoon, Lane Staley, and Mike Starr were close friends. The tragic heroin-fueled suicide of Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain, someone Cornell intensely admired, also had a profound impact on him. Eventually, Cornell decided to get help and checked himself into rehab in 2002. Yeah. I, was, I didn't know. I didn't realize that Scott Weiland's official cause of death was heroin. I knew it was drug overdose, but I thought maybe it was like pills. Yeah, maybe it was like old man medicine. Like oxy. I mean, like that's kind of. Yeah, Chris Cornell, the, his drug of choice became oxy. Yeah. As time went on. Mm-hmm. That was sad, Scott Weiland. Why? God, how many grunge boys do we have left? We Not have a lot. We have Jerry Cantrell. Uh, and we have Jeremy, Eddie Vedder, and that's it. I mean, like you know, and there's other grunge boys, but those Can't are like find a better man. <laughs> a butter man. Can't find a better man. That's when you can't find the butter man. Come on. Were you just sitting on that hot, hot <laughs> riff this whole time? It sure was. This whole heckin' time. Yeah, I'd like I wonder how many how many are left. Did they make some kind of like death pact where like the last man alive oh will like God. inherit all the uh, will inherit the grunge? The grunge. Not many people know this, but the grunge is actually a, a mythological beast. All of uh, every every flannel shirt in the world dissolves. It's actually shed skin. And it becomes the mythological beast. The grunge. The grunge. It looks like it's wearing. Um, Fat pants, but it's just still more of <laughs> the flannel shirts. Its hair is wallet chains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet baby grunge. Whenever I meet new people and they ask me what my favorite, like, what kind of music do you like? I'm always like, well, I love grunge. <laughs> like, that's always my diving off point. You know what? Let's have a, a moment to talk about grunge, because I was thinking about it the other day. Mm. As I do. Yeah. I'm a thinker. Yeah. And uh, it makes it makes sense that grunge was such a big deal because like we were ready for the next rock, the next phase in rock history. Yeah. Because like hair was you know, just kind of blue. I mean, hair was fun. Yeah, but it hair. Was just, like, everyone got so fucking sick of hair metal. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ, how could you not? Like Cinderella, Rat, Poison. Like, all right, okay, great, great, yeah. Dude, amazing. Just, you, I mean, you could inter- you could mix and match and not know the fucking difference. Um, I I often don't. Scorpions. Um, Ooh, this it song is called Hands All Over. Go on. I mean, so, yeah, like, f- after the 70s, like, heyday of heavy metal, the next rock phase was definitely hair and glam metal, which mm-hmm. is, like, the formula was you would get a bunch of, like, you know, skinny cokeheads who could really, really shred on guitar <laughs> and really, really sing nasal falsettos yeah. and and do, like, powerful ballads about banging underage girls and that was that was the thing mm-hmm. um but yeah the next the next generation of rock musicians to sort of take up the mantle were the grunge and the um, grunge. It, it makes sense because like they sort of they brought a new angle to it because like a lot of what you hear is like you know these heavily distorted like chugga chugga guitars that are a little bit metal a little bit punk rock but then at its core it's still a little bit classic rock like with these like like th- some of them are ver- still very virtuoso, virtuostic, virtu. Some of them can play. Mm-hmm. Some of them can play real good. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> yeah, you have these like sort of high flying l- vocals, 
um, which also have like this intense screaming emotional component, right. which is yeah more punk rock. So again, it was this fusion of like metal, punk, and then classic '70s rock, mm -hmm. which like was very very potent. Yeah. And um, took the world by storm for too brief a time. And like, I don't really like what what was what was the reason that Generation X was just so. Ugh. Cocaine. But like even these, even like when these boys were teens, it, I just feel like there was there's something to being Generation X that all of a sudden the '90s happened and it's like we're gonna have sad, droning, heartfelt music and we're gonna we're gonna all look as ugly as possible. Oh wait, you're talking about grunge. Grunge, yeah. Are they is grunge Gen X? I think so. Okay. I mean, I feel like yeah, because I mean, well. Maybe I not. Guess I, I guess 80s. these boys are. These boys. Let's let's look this up. Cause I, I think I was thinking like new wave. Devo, Blondie or some you know shit like I don't know. For what? For Gen X. No. This is a I show mean, about Chris Cornell. Yeah, but this is all important. I'm talking about like when these kids were born. And why they were yearning for like this disconnection. And yeah. Well, I think it's because yeah they they felt yeah. like they. So they yeah the. After the boomers was Gen X. Okay. So it was people who basically 65 into the very, very, very early 80s is Gen X. Okay, got it. So you come out of boomers, you come out of this picturesque, like everything is perfect, and then you all do drugs, and then all of a sudden it's like the 60s and the 70s. And then something fucking happened in the 80s that everybody was just like, well, time to be really depressed for a while. They elected Donald Trump twice. Um. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, basically. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Started taking rid of getting rid of the health care. Yeah, mean, something destroyed, happened. Destroyed the social safety net. You know, obliterated unions, deregulated virtually the entire com economy. Like rolled back social progress, and yeah, like fucking just let the monsters run wild. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I, I think it's it's an environment where someone growing up in that time would feel pretty disaffected that mm -hmm. the world the world is not for them you know they don't they feel like they don't belong in the society of like you know hundred dollar haircuts and fucking shoulder pads and yeah the birth control pill was introduced in the early 60s which contributed to gen x being smaller than boomers and millennials huh. um, they're a rarity <laughs> just like me red hair they're and blue eyes <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, like, because you hear it, you don't only hear it in grunge, you hear it in the pop music. It's very weird for a while. Like, it's all, like, trip-hop infused, and then you have shoegaze, and, like, that whole sound. Like, there's this, this like, cloud of a specific sound I think also that happens in the 90s, I feel like. I think also it was maybe, like, the state of the music industry was part of it. Mm -hmm. Because, like, yeah, you had all these, like, really overproduced, you know, like, arena rock records. For you know your your um, yeah you know the one yeah. Van Halen Van Halen oh, okay. you know you have like so those are like your your rock standards and it's like yeah honestly you need like an army of producers and technicians and then you need to be the best at mm -hmm. gu at guitar and then I guess Kurt Cobain was the ultimate fuck you to like the hair music scene because it's like you know oh you're gonna you know you're gonna get these like. You're gonna get perms and like expensive outfits 
and then like just me mm-hmm. me 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 and then Kurt Cobain shows up like wearing a shirt that he slept in mm-hmm. and he he paints his nails black with magic marker <laughs> and then it's just like and like yeah so it was it was like a deconstruction of all like the pretension and 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 fakeness and bourgeois values that yeah. were implicit in, in hair metal. I'm Shia Carey, rock critic. <laughs> so one thing that stands out is a song on this album called Big Dumb Sex. And then I feel like we should move on. Yes. So let's listen to that for a sec. Oh, I mean, that was great. That was, that was fucking right on. That was like an, that was like an early, that was like an early Ozzy Osbourne shriek. Yeah! Oh my gosh. So when did Temple of the Dog happen in 1991? Bad Motorfinger happened in 91. Pick your, pick your, pick your choose. Please, Bad Motorfinger. <laughs> Give me something I recognize. You don't know that you don't recognize this song. Big dumb sex. Yeah. Not really. I listen to these vocal layers. It does remind me a lot of like the same type thing that Allison Chains did vocally. Yeah, yeah, that, that range. Oh wait, here we like go. This is Chris Cornell. Wow. Whole new side of him discovered just now. Gauna! He's gauna. All right. Are you ready for it? He's gonna bone ya. Gonna bone ya. Are you going to say it or should I? Why? Which song is this? It's the one, it's the song they covered by Johnny Cash. amazing stuff <sighs> I think this is when Chris Cornell and Soundgarden entirely sort of emerged as a fully formed grunge act oh, here we go This one is a fucking banger, and yeah. there's, there's no two ways about it. It's a great way to open an album. But yeah, you can sort of see that like um, they're still preserving some of their 
psychedelic elements, and I think that's something that no other grunge band really did as effectively mm-hmm. as Soundgarden, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's kind of mm-hmm. what makes them, you know? They're doing they're doing kind of like these Zeppelin voice effects a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. It's, yeah. But then, yeah, also you hear him sort of like doing his, his like, this is full force Cornell. Yeah. I like his, how he's like, um, so yeah, this is one of this song Johnny Cash covered in addition to Hole, as we all heard. Hole. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading and trying to talk at the I same time. Hole oh myself today. <laughs> yeah. The needle tears a hurt. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> oh wait, hold on, let me hear this. I love the vocals. Should we uh should we move along? I'm trying to I I've never been able to figure out this joke, but like I wanna make a cocktail where like you get a little bit of like Nope, never mind. But it's a rusty... A little bit of Monica in your life? A little bit of Monica in my life. A little bit of Erica by your side? A little bit of Erica by my side. A little bit of Rita's all you need? A little, little bit of Tina's Lacey? A little bit of Sandra in the Sun? A little bit of Mary Ellen? I wish, I wish I could put something else in my brain than Mambo number five. Or any dumb... Anyway. Um. The, so I want to figure out what goes into a rusty Cajun rum. A dead bird? An egg. <laughs> well, I don't understand. Because it's a cage? Well, no, we just, you need some Louisiana rum. Rum. Right, right, right. And then some rust. Yeah. It's a rusty Cajun rum. I, sh- I guess. I see, I told you, I can't figure I out. Know. Like, there's there's no way in or out of that joke. <laughs> then let's just. It just exists in my head and it makes me happy sometimes. All right. Oh, yeah. This is the one. Yes. It's worth noting that um, Kim Tyle is regularly ranked as one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Um, he's He's really good, he, and he's super innovative as well with his, his use of multiple types of distortion pedals and the progression throughout each song, you know, like, because, I mean, he'll go from, like, this really chug, 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 chug to, like, this really, like, up this, like, open, sort of, like, soaring chorus. Mm-hmm. He's really good, and one of his... Wait, I like this. I like this lyric. I remember that line from my childhood. I'm looking California California. and feeling Minnesota. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. Crucified, and now you know. What song is this? 
Outshined. Outshined. <laughs> For the benefit of our listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was off Bad Motorfingers? Yeah. Huh. Second song. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just reading ahead on the track list. Any? So what's interesting is, um, so he was, during the heyday of Soundgarden, he actually kept himself relatively clean. So, I mean, you know, he was he was very much into drugs, even, uh-huh. like, in his early teens. Um, but then when he got into music, he sort of cleaned himself up because he had, like, some higher calling or, yeah. or whatever it was that was keeping him from uh, scratching that itch. Given but, uh, given the nature of grunge, for a sec when you said clean, at first I was like, he showered a lot. <laughs> he he did <laughs> he seem to take personal a, he took better care of his hair than most. <laughs> um, but yeah, when the Soundgarden broke up in 1997, he actually yeah got sort of sank back into drug use. Yeah. So like it sort of was the opposite of the typical trajectory, uh, because like the breakup of his band caused his drug use mm-hmm. and not his drug use <laughs> caused the breakup of the band. Aww. I also thought you meant because a lot of times on tour and stuff, they get high. Yeah. Um, oh, they opened for Guns N' Roses during the band's Use Your Illusion tour. I feel like we've talked about that. Maybe. Um, oh, that's when they came out with the spaghetti incident. No. Lu- no, use your... Spaghetti incident was I recent, just, right? I just want to bring up the fact that the spaghetti incident question And then something mark. about chi- Chinese. Chinese Democracy was like their album that came out 10 years after it was supposed to. Uh, I hate Guns N' Roses. They're just a shitty shit band. And what's great is like Kurt Cobain and Axl Rose had like the biggest beef. <laughs> That's right. Because, like, they were both, like, the biggest rock stars of their time. I just learned that, too, from the last podcast on the left. Oh, did you know Chris Cornell also had a really long-standing beef with a much less prominent musician? Oh, yeah. Um, that would be Dave Dartmouth. I don't get Dave it. Dartmouth. Chris Cornell. Yep, 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 and yep. He, he <laughs> He fronted the band. He fronted the band Noise Farm. I know right now that that laugh really Noise Farm. Yes, Dave Dartmouth of Noise Farm. Yeah, I know that my laugh just peaked and hurt everybody's eardrums, and I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. You know what? Fuck Dave Dartmouth. I will go on record. Fuck that guy. Fuck fuck his music. (sighs) Fuck his name. Something Harold Harvard also competed. I don't know. This is. Harold right. Har- <laughs> Harvard. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Because this album has a lot of hits. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I like this one a lot, actually. Yeah. I'm kind of skipping around, and I apologize to the listener. Because I know there's someone out there who's like, ah. Heck, she skipped slaves and bulldozers, but listen. The experimentation on these bass lines is yeah, like it's, it's shades of Caius.
I mean, like, you hear just, like, that segment, and it's almost like you can, like, go back in time to the moment where, like, Josh Homme's hairs first stood up on his arm, because it sounds so much like everything he's done, really. Josh Homme was Caius, right? Yes. In addition to Queens, because that's also very Queens. Yes. Yes. I love this part, though. This is Jesus Christ pose. album came out the same year as Nirvana's Nevermind and Pearl Jam's 10. Wow, heady um, times for the grunge movement. And then a year later, Broken is going to come out. Oh, damn. Yeah. Compared to Trent. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? Oh. oh, man. What year is this again? 91. 91. Yeah. And I think the Apple II finally came out. <laughs> oh, heck. All right. And you had, like, one cool friend who, like, knew what the internet was. In 91? Right. I was pretty ahead, of, pretty ahead of the curve, and I had AOL in 96. Well, I mean, the internet. Yeah, the whole internet. I feel like my mom was my cool friend who knew what the internet was. <laughs> How many friends did you have in 91? <laughs> I was two years I old. I know. <laughs> All right. This is so good, but I feel like we got to keep it moving. I know. I'm just I'm, I know. I'm tripping out to the because this is the one we haven't really gone back and listened to since. Because um, I'm not super like I like all this, but it's not like my stuff. You know, it's not like my jam. I mean, I I like the heavy Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like all pretty much all Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is like it was the first band for me that like really felt like it was mine and I could like sort of just immerse myself in it. Yeah. And and it was like it, it's weird. They never sort of achieved the same sort of like notoriety or just dis- distinctiveness of image or something. I don't know what it was. I don't like, know either. Cuz yeah, you talk about Nirvana, everybody instantly fucking knows, you know. I think that also a lot of people know Nirvana because Kurt Well, I mean, yeah. died the yeah. way he died when he died. Yeah. Cuz like for me I mean, Soundgarden wasn't huge, like super prominent compared to other bands. But then there's like Pearl Jam. I don't give I, a heck I could, about. I Pearl could give Jam. a rat's patoot about yeah. Pearl Jam. I do feel sad though, like everyone's like. And butterflies. I don't even know what you're quoting half the time when you quote Pearl Jam. It was sad though seeing on Butterfly. all. Stop, please. <laughs> seeing on the social media. People are like, can we just trade Chris for Eddie Vedder? It's like, he has a family too, you guys. Yeah, jeez. Chris Cornell does have two, like, adorable daughters. Oh, God, they're so, oh, I love it. His family is so beautiful. Um, Should we continue this album? They barely look like they got stung by any bees at all. (laughs) Chris Cornell is beautiful. He is. He's a very attractive guy. His wife is too, though. Vicky. Should we continue with this album or move along? 
I think we covered as much as we need from. I think. I mean, yeah. We're gonna need a lot. We need of, a lot of a lot of space for the next couple. This might be a two-part episode. We're already. Yeah, we're up there. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's visit the uh, the temple of the dog. Oh, this has got to be my favorite Temple of the Dog song. I don't know. I kind of like the other one. This is a tribute to Andrew Wood. I knew that. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. Edved appeared as a guest to provide some lead at backing vocals. Who? Edved. Oh. I of PJM. They were going to say Trent Wren. No, Edved of PJM. I mean, it. So, what is Temple of the Dog? I never really got that fucking cleared up. It's yeah, hold on. It's let's a super group. Yeah. Hold on. Let's. Temple of Dog was an American rock band that formed in Seattle, Washington in 1990. It was conceived by vocalist Chris Cornell of Soundgarden as a tribute to his friend, the late Andrew Wood, the lead singer of, we already talked about that. Uh, the lineup includes Stone Gossard on rhythm guitar, Jeff Arment on bass guitar, both ex-members of Father Love Bone with Andrew Wood. Uh, Mike McCready on lead guitar and Cameron, Matt Cameron on drums. Ed Vedd appeared as a guest to provide some lead backing vocals. Which I feel like you can kind of hear up in this. I just really want this chorus. Professor Blastoff did the best. They did this. Do you remember the episode where they do this? You could probably find it on that YouTube. Oh, God. I, I don't think I can because I ended up having to do my own sound clip off of it, and I don't know if I still have it. Let me see. So yeah, like, this was back in the day. I think I first listened to... Um, Temple of the Dog. I mean, so I mean, I'm about uh, ten years. Of, um, I got a ten year lag on all this grunge music. Yeah. Because you know, like I was, I was like zero years old when this came out. Um, but yeah, I first downloaded the Temple of the Dog song on like LimeWire, I think. <laughs> and I was like, the fuck is this? I do know "Say Hello to Heaven," and I like that it's the number two. Let me just. Like it took some convincing for me to believe like this is a Chris Cornell thing because like, you're just you're singing about bread. Oh, I remember this one. My ex liked this, so I actually had to listen to it quite a bit. Ex, ex, I actually like this one better. Just wait. Yeah. 
think, yeah, even early on, Chris was sort of recognizing that like his vocal style was really suited to like sort of folkier country yeah. country type aesthetic. Yeah. She does a lot in his solo work. I don't. I've never listened to his solo work. I don't. Some, some I don't. Pretty fucking good. I just don't like solo work. I don't like when artists once rocked and then they solo worked. It's just never something I enjoy. So I don't go down that. You mean you don't like Slash's Snake Pit? I have no idea what those words are. Yeah, I found it at like a used record store and I was like, the fuck. Man, it really builds to that chorus. Um, I did find, I think I found the Professor Blastoff episode, but I'm going to, I'm going to drop in a clip. So the listeners have already heard it and they liked it. Oh, here we go. funny it's like the backing track is kind of like tears in your beer <laughs> but then like the vocals are like super sexy yeah so it's kind of like a boner in your beer but then you're talking about being dead <laughs> i'm sorry what about being dip being dip <laughs> being dead saying hello to heaven being oh, dead okay not being dip okay gotcha just you know singing about that being dip got that being dip for the bread I don't mind stealing bread as long as oh you got some good bean dip. <laughs> I'm going hungry. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to move on? Yep. That's the thing. Also, is like Chris Cornell is is he's almost like a Reznor-esque figure for me because like he's done so much amazing work and is like such an innovator and is so talented, but also has like these little tinges of super corny stuff <laughs> yeah. that you can just like make fun of forever. Yeah. You what could almost say it's like in his name. What the Corn. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, we should press on because uh, coming up next we've got A an album that contains at least 10 songs that I want to listen to. Yeah, so. all, all of the hits. Okay, stretch the bones over my skin. I'm sorry, that's not how that works. I don't think that's science. You found it. You found the one <laughs> lyric that doesn't <laughs> add up. Uh, this is Let Me Drown. I mean, first slap, track. slap you with a hand of broken nails. Sure, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, the nails could be broken. The fingernails could be yeah, broken. I, that's, I never understood totally. Because rust, though, because like rust, I'm yeah, thinking yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's a double hardware entendre. store. Okay. This is a let me <laughs> let me drown on super unknown. The first one. Yeah. And then you're gonna just let him drown on his wave. Wow, we're moving on. We gotta get through this. <laughs> God damn, they're they're all good, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, super unknown is like up there. I mean, it's not not at downward spiral level, but it's like in that ballpark. But can you imagine that this came out the same year as downward spiral? <laughs> yeah. 
Was that the sound of you jizzing in your pants? It was similar. <laughs> similar. All right, let's hear this. I had that moment where I realized that now that we're in super unknown territory that we're talking about somebody who died. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is like the album for me. Um, Do you think the super unknown is death? <sighs> Look out, it's the alone super unknown. Alone in the super unknown. Yeah. I mean, he is alone in the super unknown. <laughs> Uh, we weren't going to do those jokes, Claire. That's not we weren't going to say. <laughs> Don't say it. All right. I, I just have to keep going. I'm sorry, listener. we got to do this. It's like something managed to kill him no matter how hard he tried. We're not doing oh, those jokes. I know. I mean, this this features like a really distinctive performance from him because like he says whomsoever, and it's also he's, he's he's got like he's he's hitting so many layers. Yeah, range wise. I mean, or I mean, yeah, range wise. I think he goes from, he goes all the way from the bottom all the way to the top. But he he basically lives in that low register for like the first two thirds of the song. Mm -hmm. And except for when he's like, Hurry with a smile! Yep, yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like this drum here. Uh, I just, I can't. And yeah, I think also this was probably the, the peak of his songwriting. The peak of his songwriting mm -hmm, talent. Mm -hmm. I don't, cause like, what I really admire about him is like he wrote lyrics that were like as sort of like mystifying and poetic as like the best um, Kurt Cobain lyrics, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But without without sort of that spitting in your face punk rock yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like because this is like yeah, it's kind of it's and again it's sort of the psychedelic flavor that he was able to to bring to this whole thing. Yeah, we sure have fell on black days. So good. I just wanted to say we fell on days of color. Because I don't it's stereo Day, Days Days of Color. Days of Color. Not not black days. Oh, sh <laughs> shut the fuck up. Alright. <laughs> you let those days identify however they wish. Yep, I'm not gonna tell anyone how to be a day. Alright. 
Uh, we just have to keep moving. This isn't a hit, but I really just love this song a lot, and I just have to just, just give me 10 seconds. It's it's this performance is one that just like really stands out. Now that's Caius. Stop. Yeah, it is. Right here though. Okay, I asked for 10 and I and I got 30. I thank you. Um, super unknown. That was Mailman, by the way. A good, a good ballad. Type. Not really ballad, but like heavier well, song to name on. the album after. He, he gets like into a really good howl. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, that's a real face melter there. And again, like that's the that's the level of performance that he was bringing to like every fucking. And honestly, like, I mean, I haven't tried to listen back to any, but I remember like this song live surprising me for like what he could do in 2014. Because I had heard Apple Apple did like a live stream of some performance a couple years earlier, and his voice just wasn't quite there. And it was really, it was unfortunate, but also like you know he was getting older. And it was it was, he was a long. Little it was a long journey for him to get his voice yeah. back. Yeah. So in 2014, when he killed it, like, I mean, Day I Tried to Live made me cry. It was just so well done. It was so great. Um, let's give a head to Black Hole, son. Wait, let's hear this clip. Yeah, the, the soul that he ends the song with is like pure Robert Plant. Can I just... Is, yeah, sure. I'm just going to skip ahead. Alright, and I'm not going to play every heckin' song... I don't want to go too much into the specifics of uh, the end of Chris Cornell's life, but uh, the last song I think he played live was In My Time of Dying, which was a, I love that one, a yeah. zap. Yeah. He floated away on that lead zap. Wow. In Uh, this music video, like, I was I was surprised you were able to find 
a recording of this song. This one's pretty rare. Yeah, why? Yeah, you can't find this anywhere. Because? It's just such a rarity. Because you have to you have to accept my premise for the joke for the okay. joke to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just say like, yeah, yeah, I had to go on the Russian to, networks. Yeah, I t went to the Tor browser. I was in the Onion. What's yeah, I up? got it. I got it from a guy who's like just you know selling them outside the taqueria. Yeah. All right, never mind. What are you talking about? Well, this is like this is the biggest song <laughs> oh. Soundgarden ever did, and it's <laughs> still played on the radio on. Modern rock stations to this day. I hear it like every day at work. Yeah. But the lyrics are so good. They are very good. Just hold on a sec. In my shoes, walking sleep. In my youth, I pray to keep heaven send You're not going to turn it down for Black Hole Sun. We got to move on. Just that lyric, heaven send hell away. No one sings like you anymore. Ugh. Fuck. Yeah, it, it, this sort of like, um, yeah, it's a real achievement. Because like. Okay, I'll turn it back up. It managed to like sort of weave like a, a poppy, like a catchy song yeah. somehow out of like lyrics that are just like pure apocalyptic despair. Yeah. Do you remember the music video though? Yeah, it was the with lady the with the face that changes. And all the Barbies were melting on the barbecue and stuff. Oh yeah. It was good. I mean, yeah, it's like suburbia is like oh, oh we all have, those people have problems, you know. Oh what my saying? god. You think they're so perfect? They're yeah, not perfect. But like their in, faces but are like literally deep melting. Down, boof. Ugh, their faces are literally melting. And then right. she cuts up a fish or something. Something. Wait, but he was a fishmonger. That makes <gasps> sense now. Oh my god! Breaking it down on Cornell Chat. This one was nominated for. Ugh. This one won a Grammy. This is Spoon Man? Spoon Man and Black Hole Sun won Grammys. You know, I'm going to say this is one of my least favorite songs. I know. In all of ever. It's not very good. Yeah, I don't love it. These no, it's the third one, I think. Nah, all right. Are all his friends are Indians? But turn it up for that. I think we have to get through the chorus first. All right. And then they play some spoons. They do. Oh, uh, no. I can't. I keep, I'm sorry that I keep going up and down. Oh, here we go. All my friends are Bob and Fred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough of that. Oh, this one's, yep. Mm. Settle in for that.
Mm-hmm. It just keeps getting up. This is like when the acid peaks at the concert. I like the drums a lot. This is Don't want to listen to Lake Suicide. There yeah. was the weird half track that his bandmates. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I'm, it sounds familiar. Oh God, hold on. This chorus stuff. He has so. an almost four octave range, which means he could go do re mi fa so la ti do four times. <laughs> four times. Four times. Anyway, um, this weird ass thing. Oh yeah, this fucking thing. I listen to this a lot. <laughs> what? <sighs> I think it was pretty much done as a joke. But also, Kim Tail is Indian, so maybe that had some influence. Yeah. All right, let's move along to... And yeah, like one of the best Indian rock guitarists since Dick Dale. Dick Dale? Dick Dale was Indian. What? Yeah. I know who Dick Dale is. Yeah, that's where that comes from, is it's Indian. I'm Googling Yeah, this. go ahead, look it up. It's fucking, it's a cool fact. But yeah, it's like raga style, you know, like, or what do you call it, um, sitar style. Huh. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Surf guitar is like secretly Indian. Hmm. Hashtag the more you know. Um, okay, here we go. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm not even, we're just going to let it happen. Claire, we no weren't jokes. gonna we weren't gonna do the jokes. <laughs> no jokes. Um I love this song. This is a perfect way to start this album. This came out in nineteen ninety six, a year before Trez released the perfect drug. What was he doing in ninety six? I guess some remixes. Yeah. Nothing. Um Fixed. 
No. Wasn't Fix also 92 with Broken? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Remixes. I mean, like, Further Down and all that stuff probably yeah, came out. Yeah, Further Down. The, those halos. Yeah. Hey, so uh, you might have been able to guess by now that I did not put the Professor Blastoff clip where I said I did. Um, it's an Earwolf product, and they put it behind a paywall, which sucks. And I didn't want to pay for it, but it's really funny. And uh, you should listen to it if you like that kind of thing. Professor Blastoff is great. I hope you enjoy all these great outside noises. I'm coming to you live from behind a theater where I'm about to do a live show. It's very loud. Um, so what's going on right now is we got a new recording device that makes bigger files than we're used to. And our card got full, so we just sort of jumped ahead to the next song uh, coming up. But really quick, before we get back to that, um, I thought that I would just drop a little uh, sidebar. So if you're feeling real sad, like real, real sad, uh, there's a number you can call. It's 1-800-273-8255. It's a national suicide prevention hotline. They will talk to you. There's an online chat version of it, too. They're really helpful. People really want to talk to you and whatever's going on in your life it's it's normal and it's natural there's nothing wrong with it you're fine uh sometimes you just gotta talk to somebody you know so um obviously details keep coming out constantly about what happened personally i don't care um everybody goes through shit you know everybody has has their life and sometimes it just becomes too much and um doesn't have to though if you need to talk to somebody there are options um if you need a therapist they even have therapists that you can chat with on your phone uh there are group group therapy sessions that are really cheap i found one in long beach for ten dollars a session uh you know there are lots of options and if you don't know where to start fucking <laughs> email me and i'll tell you where to start trentalkpod at gmail.com i'm not kidding um yeah so that's that's that. I just felt like it was really important to say. And let's uh, dive back into the show. Thank you. And we're back. Yeah, our card got full. Aw, oh, man, another uh, one. I know. Chris. Try not to write such prophetic oh, lyrics, dude. Oh, Chris. If I ever get in a band, the only lyrics I'm going to write are like, I'm going to live forever. We've got Oliver on the backup cat toy. <laughs> He's always so shy when you put the mic in his face. <laughs> well, now he thinks you have a treat. You have to give him a treat. See how this works? Anyway, while Shia gives Oliver a treat, we're listening to Blow Up the Outside World off of Down on the Upside. Which I think is Soundgarden's last release, right? Before their reunion. Mm -hmm. So Soundgarden 1.0 wrapped up with Down on the Upside. Which, yeah, as we were saying before, is like a much like more down-tempo, less like in-your-face record. Yeah. Real, a lot more emphasis on the, yeah, the subtlety, the artistry. Yeah. And yeah, really like the, just the emotionality of his lyrics. 
This might yep. be their fragile. So I think, um, interestingly enough, I mean, one of the reasons I connected with Soundgarden so much, like, so like I had their albums everywhere I went, and um, I was at the per the precocious age of 16, which is when I first uh, saw and touched a boob. <laughs> Soundgarden was playing. No. I th yeah, Soundgarden was playing as there was like, you're, hang you're, hanging, you're hanging out after school with your, your sweetheart, and making out and it's like hey maybe today's the day we touch and see you was she the nazi okay <laughs> we weren't we're gonna do this here we're gonna do that now it's a, i mean it's already on hey whoopee cat yeah <laughs> shy losses we didn't do a nazi okay um let's i mean burden in my hand was a big one she's not literally a nazi claire oh this one though So thirsty. It's so thirsty. <laughs> Sorry. I don't like the way this one begins, so I never really gave it a good chance until more recent years. I mean, this one is like the structure is like really. I mean, it's it's Beatles reminiscent or sort of like um, I don't know, like the structure of. Bum, bum. I guess it's actually a little bit more like Credence. Uh -huh. this, is yeah. like, this is like a fucking Credence Clearwater song. It does sound song. like a dad rock song, but then like right here. Yeah, like I think the the little build right before the chorus is like pretty clearly Zeppelin, and that's yeah. the thing. That's what I'm saying about grunge, and especially Soundgarden, is they brought all these like influences of the past and then infused it with this like punk rock intensity and sort of stripped down performance. But then they made it into something new, man. Yeah. I don't know if Soundgarden was particularly associated with flannel, though. Um, I mean, let's just. I mean, they did live in Seattle. So yeah. I mean that's it's Twin Peaks country. It's yeah. it's trees. It's Let's cold, see. cold weather. Sound Garden 90s. I'm just Google image searching. Here's one of them wearing plaid shorts. Ooh, would you look at Chris in this picture? Nah. This is dreamy boy. He's look got at that he's got the he's got the grimace. Ooh, what a cutie. That's when you have hair that's like a perfect fluffy triangle. <laughs> It's that the, grim in your the grimace. Oh, here he is wearing flannel. There, there, flannel. Oh wait, that's that is definitely Pearl Jam. Fuck you, Google. <laughs> uh, oh, look at these babies. I mean, no, I get it. Flannel, it's like day pajamas. Oh, that's not even flannel. That's something 
It's like almost paisley. Paisley, a pattern I wish would fucking die. Stop with paisley. Unless you're shy as dad, stop wearing paisley. It looks good on him. But when did? Oh, he has it on his fedora, doesn't he? No. <laughs> he has a paisley fedora. <laughs> no, sometimes he's all paisley. Every once in a while, it's like a. It'll be a thing. Or was it your shirt? One of you have a shirt that's like a lighter blue with like a darker blue paisley. Claire, like you weren't there. Uh. You weren't there for the seventies. <laughs> Dad was there for the 70s. Oh, here is a photo of Dinosaur Jr. And here is a photo of Billy Corgan. And here are the Spice Girls. Thank you, Google, for these Soundgarden 90s pics. All right. Um, let's see. There's a lot more of Down on the Upside, but I think we've listened to, like, all the hits. Which means it's time to move past the garden. Well, it's time to rage against the garden. <laughs> yeah. Claire's favorite audio slave joke. It's I I okay. Listen, I'm the only person I know who's ever said it, so I'm oh, determined really? that That's it's my thing. I mean, I figured it's like it's too. It's such a meticulous joke. Yeah, that's what makes me so fucking funny. Um, let's go to Audio Slave Wikipedia because I have no idea where they started. So it's uh, Zach De La Rocha. How do you say Rocha? 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 Wait, that was the lead singer, I of thought. Rage Against of Rage Machine. Against Machine. He's, yeah. he's not in Audio Slave. Oh, he announced that he's leaving the band. Yeah. So we got Tim Comerford. We have Tom Morello. We have Brad Wilk. And they almost had Be Real from Cypress Hill, but they didn't want another rapper. They almost had, oh, contrary to popular belief, Lane Staley of Alice in Chains did not audition. Apparently, people think he did. Uh, cool. Cool, 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 cool. So, 1997 was also when Chris released his only solo record between Soundgarden and Audio Slave, which was Euphoria Morning, which was actually uh, recorded with Elaine Johannes. And Natasha Schneider of the band Eleven, both fantastic musicians. Natasha also uh, passed before her time. She's Aww. one of the greatest singers and keyboardists uh, that I've ever listened to. She's phenomenal. Should we be listening to that first or Audio Slave? I, I was giving Euphoria Morning a listen. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we got to get to it eventually. I mean, if you want, do you want to do Euphoria Morning real fast? We can do um, do this. I already built up Rage Against the Garden. Okay, do that. It's time for Audio Slave. What was what was Audio Slave's first release, Claire? I think it was this Cochise. 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 Which was a legendary Native American chief who led his troops into battle and killed Custer, I think. I'm not sure. Oh. It has a long build, and I just, you know, um, did not know that. Thank you for educating me. Uh, let's see. I didn't know that it was that Audio Slave literally happened just because Zach De La Rocha was like, Bye. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And then, and then <laughs> just up. left the band. Oh, here we go. 
pretty good, pretty banging. Thing the, is, the bangingest audio slave ever gets. I mean, yeah, you'll notice. Yeah, this is like when he's still sort of um, summoning up the remains of that shriek uh-huh. that he had. Um, but yeah, it's, you can you can sort of hear the transition from his chest to his face. <laughs> and yeah, when we get to like a stone, it's it's like pure. Yeah. it's like all. I was surprised like a stone is on the same album as this. Yeah. But yeah, it's like all nasal cavity. Yeah. Let's really quick. I know Show Me How to Live was a hit, yeah? Yeah, Show Me How to Live. Um, is Like a Highway on this? I, I am, am the, the highway. highway. Oh, fuck. I mean, this is kind of his, his Foo Fighters, right? Oh, Jesus, right. it is. It is, yeah. Fuck. Okay, let's listen to this. Oh yeah, let's try to build. Yeah, this is 2002. This is like when... What happened in 2002? I know Perfect Circle already did their thing. I was 12. Um, 2003 Mo was just around the bend. Just around the river bend. I did listen to a good amount of Audio Slave in high school. I have a really specific memory that makes like no sense. Oh, wait, here. This reminds me of like when you try to get into an argument with a white person on the internet and they're just like, just show me, just show me how to live. Give me an example of what you mean. What is that called? Sea lioning? It's called a stretch. Uh, um, sea lioning? Shut the fuck up. So is oh, your jokes are all perfect. Is sea lioning a thing? Yes, it's a thing. So it's like you show up in a conversation and it's just like, it's help me, give me all your time and attention. Yeah, it's when two people are having a conversation. This person's like, hi, um, could you please provide me with examples? And also, I'm just trying to have a conversation and... You know, you don't need to be offended. Uh, I just, you know, I just need you to provide me with all the source material. Can you please do all the emotional labor for me? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, anyway. Is emotional labor a thing? Yes, it's a thing. Isn't God damn. Are we a couple? Because, like, I post about this shit day and night isn't on it, Facebook. Isn't it just, like, labor? No. No. All There's right. physical labor. All right. There's emotional labor. When you're forcing somebody to provide you with all the information and, like, teach you how to think, that's emotional labor. When you can literally Google it and you're like, please tell me uh, what you mean by this. That's emotional labor. Anyway, could you, could we're you not doing that. Give some reputable sources on Listen, this? the feminist that listens to Trent Talk is going to think that joke was something. Um, you have a very weird specific memory, and it is what? Um, I was running for public office. What? Uh, I was running for editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper. Oh, I'm sorry. You said public office, and I thought you meant you were running it for It was something. a public high school. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Um, and, yeah, so I was, you know, fielding a bunch of questions about, like, you know, how I would run the paper and what would be my emphasis and what qualifications I had. 
But then they had like one wild card question at the end of the interview, which was, um, yeah, they asked me like, all right, if you could summarize the the Mountain View High School Oracle, which is what we call their yeah, newspaper, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with with like a lyric from a song, what would it be? Oh, jeez. And, and my brain like went blank, and then I just remembered like the last song I listened to, which was "I Am the Highway." <laughs> so I did. I am not your rolling wheels. I am the highway. God. In fr- and I sang it in front of the whole no, fucking class. No, you didn't sing it. Yep. Oh, no. I think it went a little better than when I did it just now. Yeah, I sure hope. <laughs> but it's, fu- it's funny, like, because they... So I it was my tooth on the mic. It, it was, by the way, <laughs> it was a rigged election. There was fake media. Um, fake news. Because I was running... Um, so I was the opinions editor and then uh, and the graphics editor, and I was running against... Um, oh, my God. We just listened to that whole song. I was running against two women. I was running against two people, like, together as a team. Like, oh, that's ha- not how are you, Yeah, how are you going to elect me as a one-person guy against two people as a team? What the fuck? <sighs> Tragedy. This is like a stone. Have we been listening to the Just It's a Self-Titled album? This is the song where we all have this song where you it comes on and you're like, I know this song enough. I can sit here in the car and sing this song. And then every word that comes out of his mouth is not the word you think is it, he's about to say. Yeah, it's not a very logical progression of things. That he's saying, yeah. yeah. So he's in your house Well, the by chorus, the highway. I got, okay. No, this isn't the highway. Oh, wait, he is by the highway. He's just traveling, man. You should be. Alright, let him sing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. Alright, let's hear your uh what year was it? Hmm? What year did you run for office? Uh 2006? Yeah. Oh, what were you? Hmm? Oh, I was like a junior in high school. Okay. Your junior high school anthem. My anthem. That was just the last song I that ki- that I listened the to. Shia Carey's anthem of 2006. Maybe of all time. Maybe of all time. What are the lyrics to this? Let's look it up. I am a high school freshman. No, Google is not what I'm saying. This is such a road song. Wow, I did not expect these to be the lyrics. Wow. Lyric page. <laughs> Damn it out. 
your carpet ride. He is the sky. It's, yeah, this, it's, this, oh. is a, this is a real weird one for him. I feel like all of audio, <laughs> all of audio slave is a real weird one for him. If you listen to his solo stuff, you kind of get what he's um, going for a little bit. I look forward to it. It's like deconstructionist post rock. Can we just fly through audio slave? Because yeah, I only yeah, know yeah, yeah, two yeah, other yeah. songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, know yeah. out of exile from out of exile. We've we've done a lot of the heavy lifting, but yeah, we still have some ways to go yet. I know. Here's out of exile. I liked this one. This reminds me, I used to work third shift at Target. Oh, can we do Be Yourself after this one? Oh, yeah, Be Yourself. I forgot about that one. And I used to listen to this. It would come up on my last FM radio. Just the Tom Morello noises I can't stand. It's like, take something I love and put something I can't stand, and let's just mush them together. We'll see how it goes. Rage Against the Garden. Two thousand five was a weird year for music. I feel like. I can't name off the top of my head, but I just feel like it was a weird year. Because 2006, after that, that was like AFI was trying to come back, Panic at the Disco started. It was just like a weird year for me. It was like a weird time. I feel like that's when like fucking Flyleaf and all that stuff was really big. Oh, it was yeah. like, yeah, it was like the the not good stuff. It was all corny and cheesy and weird. I was trying to put a finger on what you meant by Tom Morello sounds, and it's basically just him making It's him scratching metal against strings. Well, yeah, but it's that, but then also he uses like an octaver pedal, so it's like, I'm going to make my guitar sound like a bass, so I don't have to play that much. And then also... Yeah, now that I hear this, I don't, it's, not my, it's not my banger anymore. I mean, it's he, he writes great licks. Yeah. It's not like terrific songs really yeah i don't i don't i just okay okay we're gonna do this gonna but he also this. uses the kill switch so so much i don't know what that means it, it basically it makes all the sound coming out of your guitar stop so it goes like beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep. oh yeah. yeah oh this yeah yeah it's just him he's not playing a note really he's just hitting the kill switch all right are you ready too bad because i did it by accident anyway here we go yeah i just want to look up the lyrics without shit singing to me takes me back. This is totally Foo Fighters. It's, it's a Foo Fighters song with I Chris know, Cornell in it. I know, I know. That's why I don't like audience. <laughs> Someone falls to pieces oh. sleeping all alone Someone kills the pain Spinning in the silence This is their Everlong. Oh, uh, yeah. But less poetic. Mm. Or Satellite. Satellite? I don't know that one. That's a Fighter song. I don't know. Are you ready? Someone getting the best. The best. God. Run it. Dude. 
he does with his voice, I'm always scared to go up or down or stay. Who knows? It could be any of those. It could be any of those. But I do like the... Um, the rule of thumb is just always... Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell. <laughs> if he does, if he does a quiet one, then he'll do a big one right after that. He goes little and then big, and then little and then big. <laughs> I love it. All right, we have another chance to do this. Are you ready? There's four of them this time. All right. I keep expecting him to switch it. <laughs> You're just like. Oh right, I forgot this part. We're andying it. I feel like the listeners are gonna really like this, or they're really gonna hate it a lot. And again, this is Tom Morello, sort of like he uses technology to avoid actually having to play the guitar. <laughs> I know. I don't like Oh, it's luck. I always thought it was love. And I think it's Revelations. Oof. Yeah. yeah, there's not much more in the Chris Cornell catalog that I'm familiar enough to really delve into. I think this is. This is the first song. We could do the single, or the single off of um, King Animal. Yeah, we will do that. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. Was this also 2006? No, I think that's wrong. Okay. I think Spotify is fucking with me. Um, Out of Exile was 2000. 
four to five. And then this was six to seven. Not the best. Oh, I just discovered that there's a single off of this album called Original Fire. Let's listen to that really quick. Okie dokie. Oh, yeah, this song. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've heard this, and I didn't believe it was real. No. Wait, this is almost like... This is the slip. This is Chris's slip. I can't. Shit. I can't remember. We him the renegades of funk. <laughs> I can't remember him this way. Okay, Chris Cornell, Cornell. looking. Chris you Cornell. Ooh. Uh. Okay. So you want to listen to his album called Euphoria Morning? Oh yeah. Um. Let's see. The second or third track are are both pretty good. Let me tell you what they're called. Number one is Can't Change Me. Number two is Flutter Girl. Flutter Girl's pretty good. Oh, okay. I can't wait. I've never, this is, okay. This is exclusive. Never heard this before for me. This is so 1999. Wow. This is... Should we keep going? It's pretty good, right? It reminds me of Dream Theater a little bit. Yeah, I mean... the Like a stripped-down Dream Theater. Uh, if you're a fan like the, of the band Eleven, like... I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I had an Eleven riff earlier. Yes. I don't remember what it was. Production and style of this song is very similar. Yeah. You can he's sort of almost doing Elaine Johannes's uh, style and intonation. Oh no! He does a he does Jeff Buckley wave goodbye or a tribute to I don't I can't okay um when did Jeff Buckley die? 1997. Another beautiful man gone too soon. Uh, what what band was he a part of? Jeff Buckley? Yeah. Are you are you gonna make fun of me or are you gonna tell me? I think he was just Jeff Buckley. I only know him as his own stuff. He did like the best version of Hallelujah. The best? The best. The best. 
<laughs> of Hallelujah. Uh, this is good. This is very 90s. This is very... This is not what I expected, but it is what I expected, and it makes his future stuff make a lot more sense. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I don't really know Alanis Morissette that well. But is this little Alanis Morissette? It's, uh, I would think more... Um, more 90s girl stuff kind of Liz Fair kind of Ruka but Ruka still a heart like kind of like Luscious Jacksony just very like whimsical yeah that's that's Elaine's guitar playing also which is yeah Ooh. sort of sort of garbagey and yeah as in the band garbage <laughs> that garbage any other song on this album I think that, I mean honestly this giving this any time is, I think, doing it quite justice. Well, in 2007, allegedly, because sometimes Spotify is wrong, uh, he had an album, Carry On. Oh, was Oliver playing the bell? No, not anymore. Um, I'm going to name songs, and you tell me which one to play. You got it. No Such Thing, Poison Eye, Arms Around Your Love, Safe and sound. She'll never be your man. <laughs> okay. Ghosts. <laughs> Killing birds. Ghosts. This is, this <laughs> this is <laughs> Cornell Chat. I knew you were going to. A, a uh, subsidiary of Trent Talk Incorporated. Are these covers? What are we listening to exactly? Uh, we are listening to Ghosts off of the album Carry On. Which is a Chris Cornell solo project? Yeah. But really quick, let me just do this. I think I've heard this. Like a beauty queen from a movie screen. Said don't mind, well, what do you mean? I am the one. Not like this. <laughs> Not like this. She says I am the one who will dance on the floor and around. He has another solo project called Scream. Not project album. Uh, let's see. We should uh, hit that King Animal, but no, oh we're okay. We could just do this damn thing. No, 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 no. We no. could release this in two parts. I mean, we—it's already like almost two hours long. I think honestly, we should do it as a solo thing, one single thing. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like the laughs came a lot early and then a, a lot in the middle, and now we're just sort of tired and ha listening to stuff that we've never heard before. <laughs> Not my lover. <laughs> <laughs> weird, weird move, Chris. <laughs> I love you, but why? All right. But he also has Higher Truth that came out last year. Okay, now let's go to King Animal. King Animal. Okay. Do you know what song from King Animal we're listening to? 
<laughs> the single. <laughs> Which is... I mean, I honestly, I heard this album held up, and Soundgarden fans were were reasonably satisfied. Okay, okay. After, okay. you know, ten years of no album. I just... Don't... No, 15 years. 15 fucking years with no album. Been away too long. By Crooked Steps and halfway there. Let's try Been away too long. Do you hear like a horse galloping or something? Yeah, I do. What, is, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Tom followed them. <laughs> Tom wouldn't let them go. Horace? Here's the thing though, like whenever an artist goes away, when they come back, they gotta talk about how they came back and it's yep. like, just just do a thing. You don't have to tell me. I know who you are. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's a, it's an obligatory like rock album tradition where it's like, yeah, I know things are different now, but I'm still rocking. Like the, <laughs> the later the later years albums. <laughs> uh, it's like the it's like a diss track on like you know. Well, the exactly. They forgot about Drake. Yeah. Uh, here's by Crooked Steps. All right, I hope they stop. they're done clearing their throat and they're ready to just fucking bring the house down. Just bring it down. It starts off very quiet. I think you put on Fish by mistake. Oh, oops. David Bowie. David Bowie. Wow. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right, turn it up. Stop it. Stop it and turn it off and throw it into a fire. (laughs) Whoa. I know. It's hard when when they come back. Boy. I know. (sighs) I know. That's the thing is like when they were Soundgarden from like 1988 Mm -hmm. to 1997, they had it. Yeah. But whatever it was, is gone. (laughs) <laughs> we'll do a, a palate cleanser. This is tighter and tighter. From okay. uh, down on the upside. There it is. There's the boys we remember. There's our boys. Uh, should we start to sort of wrap this up? I have one more thing I want to listen to, actually. it's It might make me really sad. It's uh, Chris Cornell's last recording. Um, it's The Higher Truth. Oh, um, yeah. And it's only like three tracks, and it's it's all pretty good. We could just sort of let it go and and uh, just have a you know prolonged moment of uh, silent tr- introspection. Yeah. And maybe shitty jokes if we come up with something, but no pressure. 
It's I just, honestly, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's surprising. Okay. Okay. And I think it is sort of. Uh, it is also 16 tracks, so you're going to have to pick oh. <laughs> the one that you. The like. one I found on YouTube was three tracks. <laughs> Maybe I just needed to click the dot, dot, dot more. <laughs> just do the first track, because that's the one I heard. And it was, like I said, it's it sort of caught me off guard. It was like, oh, this is a new angle, but I'm enjoying it. Oh, hold on. I did not mean that to happen. You're just not in the Wait, moment. Wait, I, I don't understand. What did I miss? The a good lyrics thing? are sleep tight for me. I'm gone, which oh. is not what I was trying to do. Oh no! In this moment. Not too bad. I really love this song. Tighter and tighter. It's very beautiful. Uh, okay. Nearly forgot my broken heart. Oh my god. Is that the one? Jesus Christ. Pretty noose. Tighter and tighter. Hmm. Now, I'm just, now I'm just bumming out. <laughs> I know. So the song nearly forgot my broken Ye heart. Yes, please. Okay. Higher Truth, which released last Starts year. Starts with a fucking Mando. You know, Mando. It's, a, you know, it's, about, it's about to get real. like a nipple no it was an apple, apple? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is very cute right it's got that sort of alanis fun to it i mean like the piano does remind me a little bit of fever you can't sweat by panic at the disco but uh that's like piano-y sounds, isn't it? Every I don't know what instrument that is. I thought it was little the piano plucking. keys. It's not plucking. It's like the main sound you hear in the background. Is it just lots of guitars? I hear a piano. <laughs> Anyway, it's a fun little ditty, and again, it's sort of like he's sort of fully reclaimed his voice at this point. Yeah. Because it's like he can open up into that full shriek again. But yeah, he put he keeps it sort of like more controlled and like uses, uh, he, yeah, it's it's a return to form in a way. He's in full ownership of the Chris Cornell sound. Mm -hmm. And yeah, since it's a solo record, it also has like. Just a, a ton of random in ass instruments that he decided to play around with. I enjoyed this one. But there was like a slower, sadder one that might be able to play us out. I have a song that's going to play us out. Oh, okay. But we still have to talk about the business. Yes. My name is Shia Carey. No, not that business. What business? We should still like talk about what happened, right? Or no? I think everybody knows what happened. And that's yeah. honestly like the way someone dies is like the least fucking important thing to remember about them. But 
we are humans and we are fascinated by death naturally. Yeah. Because it's the number one thing in our lives that we try to avoid. Uh, but it's waiting for us all at a uh, unknown date and time. Mm-hmm. It's the great equalizer. It's uh, also a great teacher. It, uh, sure. it puts things in perspective. It reminds you what's important. You know, you lose someone. And yeah. Uh, so follow us on Facebook at Trent Talk Pod. And it's like, what does it all mean? And also on Twitter at Trent Talk Pod. And it's like. And uh, or slash Trent Talk Pod. It's just like time's a flat circle. Sure. Uh, and we do other shows at calicopodcasts.com. Uh, we have a live comedy and storytelling showcase once a month. If you're in L.A., come to it at the Theater of Note in Hollywood. It's called Hey Whoopie Cat. It's pretty cool. And you could be If you're funny, you could be mic. on our dangle. If you're funny or if you have a good story, you could be on our show. And you can share a fleeting moment of joy in this absurd and purposeless charade we know as human life. And you can follow me on Twitter at ClareWolf. That is C-L-A-R-E-E-E-W-O-L-F. I am at Shia Carey. C-H-E-Y-A-C-A-R-Y. If you want to share your Chris Cornell Soundgarden audio slave stories, you should fucking... Email us, trenttalkpod at gmail.com. You can message us on Facebook. Whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. And uh, Chris Cornell, we love you, dude. We we miss you. Yeah. Thanks for doing all you did. This is my final song. Okay. been our show thanks for listening thanks for listening
This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.